0: Hello everyone, this is the Urbonus Podcast, I'm the host, Donatos Urbanos, and I'm joined by some really solid gentlemen. Of course, my beloved co-host from Karshiaka Izmir, Eric McCollum, and Unica Hamalaga point guard, Kendrick Perry. Hello, gentlemen.
1: Hello, good to be here.
0: What's up,
1: fellas? Appreciate y'all having
0: me on. Hey, show some love to KP's Twitter profile, Kendrick Free Perry. He likes to think loud, I would say, and frequently drops some good thoughts. Uh, so don't forget to follow him on Twitter. And to me, Kendrick Perry's YouTube channel was a discovery today. I mean, the, the effort and quality that was brought on the table, especially for, for the past few months in Malaga, is, is worth recognition. So give a look at his YouTube channel as well, give him some pressure to stay consistent with the content that he published and, and yeah. Uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy his run on YouTube. I didn't know that you were so active on on social media. To be honest,
1: yeah, uh, you know, every now and then, I guess like I'll kind of go through these little these little like slumps where I'm not, but then once I get kind of active, I'm I'm on there. So kind of like you said, I, I I speak freely at times. You know, whether to whether you know my wife, you know, likes it or not. You know, she I know she'd be on my head about my about my Twitter <laughs> my tweets sometimes, but. You know, it's just, you know, sometimes I feel like my voice got to be heard. So what better form to or what better uh, platform to do it in than Twitter? And then, you know, like, like you said, YouTube, if you check me out, please stay on me about being consistent because, um, you know, I got a lot of content in the works, but, you know, with, through the ins and outs of a, of a long season, man, I can, I can kind of, it can kind of escape my mind. So, uh, I'm, I'm asking y'all to please keep that pressure on me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh Guys, a lot of stuff happened recently. Uh, I've shared a list of topics that we might go through last night, but the the way things uh, were happening in the last 24 hours kind of a little bit reshaped uh, our plan. We have Kendrick Nunn officially signing with Pantnankos until the end of the season. We have both Greek and Serbian derbies that were played in the last few days. We have Dusko Ivanovic's return to Bosconia again. We have three Spanish league teams making big noise in the EuroLeague at the start of the season. We have best player in Europe debate, so a lot of things uh, to cover and discuss. But let's start with the fresh news about Kendrick Nunn signing with Panathinaikos. 28-year-old uh, guard, a four-year NBA player who averaged 12.1 points and 2.4 assists for Miami, Lakers and Washington, is set to make his EuroLeague debut. So. Just for the beginning, what you guys think about Kendrick's fit in the EuroLeague? No, I, I
2: really like it. I think um, if he's healthy, he's a guy that can create his shot off the bounce. He can create for others. Um, he's an explosive scorer, and we've seen what Ottoman does with good scoring guards. You know, his system is is open for them. It gives them the freedom to be who they are. And you know, considering it's going to be his first time in Europe, there's obviously going to be an adjustment period. But Ottoman's offense and his style and his freedom that he gives players who are capable, you know, of carrying the load offensively, I think this is probably the best place he could go to where he could be himself and maybe have a slower adjustment here compared to other places, just because of the pressure, you know, what Penn's expect. But I think the open court offense, the high pick and roll, the ability to ISO, you're going to see that come through and you're going to see him, you know, be himself if he's healthy and if he's in shape, you know, you never know, you know, how guys' bodies are, you know, after a long time out, not in game shape, not playing game flow, but, you know, if he's, you know, the player that he has been, you know, throughout the course of his NBA career, I think he could be successful in Ottoman's offense.
1: Yeah. I think um just to to kind of mimic what, what Eric said, you know, I think the the main thing, you know, when I think of the signing is obviously how he's gonna adjust to the to the European game, right? That's obviously the 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 main factor when you look at someone who's played his whole career in, in the NBA and then coming over, uh, to Europe, you know, we're seeing that now with, with Kimball Walker, Serge Baca, you know what I mean? These are guys who are kind of making these adjustments on the fly. Um, but you know, like Eric said, dynamic point guard, who can score off the bounce and play well in a pick and roll. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the, the, uh, the pick and roll with him in the sort. Um, I think it's going to be something that, you know, uh, Ottoman should incorporate in the offenses if he hasn't planned on it already. Um, and then you know adjusting to the to the the Greek culture. You know, obviously, we all know what you know comes with playing with with Panathinaikos in terms of the historic uh, essence behind it, and you know the level of uh, pressure that can that can go into it as well. So um, there is going to be a bit of a, a learning curve there, but um, I'm excited to see it. I think it's going to be good for not just Panathinaikos, but I think it's going to be good for Euroleague in general, having another uh, good solid NBA player uh, in the mix.
0: By the way, you mentioned this pressure playing for Panathinaikos, and you know better than us what it means to play for Panathinaikos. What would be your advice to Kendrick if he was about to text you, you know, after this podcast, you know, to, to, to get some tips uh, from you how to adjust culturally, mentally to the challenges that he's about to face?
1: I think culturally um, it's not too big of an adjustment. You know, Athens is one of those cities that, you know, being American, you always kind of hear about. It's pretty westernized in terms of other um, cities in Europe. Um, so I don't think that'll be much of a, a, a culture shock in the sense of, um, you know, my, my thing, uh, my thing would be the biggest thing would just embrace it all good games, bad games, continue to be confident in yourself, comp- continue to understand who you are and remember who you are. Um, because that was the biggest thing I, I struggled with at, at my time in Pantanico. So, um, you know, if he were to text me, I think that would probably be the, the best advice I can give him. Win or lose, good game or bad game, continue to, you know, be confident in yourself, uh, Be t- be uh, continue to be confident in the work that you put in, and, you know, just understand that it's going to be highs and lows, but do it all, just remain who you are, and it'll work itself out. Uh,
0: Kendrick Nunn was in the mix already for a few EuroLeague teams early into the season. I think Olympiakos was the first team that targeted him seriously. And uh, at that point, a couple of months ago, he was obsessed about, you know, getting an NBA contract first and demanded really high salary, and his goal was to remain in the NBA. And I remember I already started having conversations with, let's say, scouts from different level uh, about his possible transition to European basketball. and. I I remember, and I've just checked my, my notes, and I spoke with some scouts again, from few scouts from different levels, That they, and they saw his, because of his skill set, they saw that his transition to European basketball might be a little bit challenging. Uh, you all already mentioned those qualities that he has, and quickness, ball handling, ability to create shots, pull-up uh, jumper, that should be his go-to qualities. And the, the fact that he also thrives when he's playing with the ball in his hands a lot. So I just thought, you know, uh, if, if Ataman's uh, job is to please lukas him and others, it might be some kind of an adjustment both for his team. What do you think, what do you see as the main challenges for him on the court? And who do you think, I mean, Patnaikos has pretty loaded backcourt. Uh, they already have a lot of people out there. Who do you think, you know, he... Is going to take minutes away who might he, he might take the role away from from all of these guys that they have
2: uh, for me personally i think that um he's going to take a lot of those minutes um ottoman you know when he speaks in the media you know he gives you a warning you know before he makes a decision you know he shoots the warning shots he told him you know the team that reinforcements would be on the way if guys didn't do certain things and When he singles out a player, you know, as a guy who played for him, he does it to motivate you to uplift your game. But it's also a warning shot that if you don't get your play to the level that he um, desires or expects, there can be somebody else coming. And, you know, I think there was several times he called out Vadoza's play, you know, what he wanted from him and you know, obviously so lucas is a guy who's you know the franchise um you know he's greek you know he's been there he has the experience he's played at that level you know he's going to continue to get his minutes you don't play that guy that type of salary and not use him um i think um grant will still get some minutes obviously they will drop some but he's been you know solid he's a guy that's going to come in defend you know probably do the intangible stuff you know be aggressive he's you know fitting and complimenting well um with the little things that he needs, but they need a little bit more firepower. And I think that's where Kendrick Nunn comes into play. So expect Vadoza to get less minutes. Expect Grant, some of his minutes to get eaten up. And, you know, expect him and Salukas to play a lot of minutes if he can make that transition. Now, if it's struggles there or if there's a slow start to him as well or if he's not in shape, you know, that could buy Vadoza some time. But he needs to have some big games um or some big performances. Or, you know, unfortunately, he could be out the door or, you know, he could be in a reduced role.
1: Yeah, it's 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 interesting you say Vildoza because, you know, I think when I first saw that he signed with Panathinaikos, so I thought that was huge for them. You know, I love the way he was playing in Red Star the year before. Um, and kind of like you said, seeing him with uh, a coach like Ottoman who gives his guards a lot of freedom, a lot of firepower. I was I was excited to see what that was going to look like. Um, unfortunately, we haven't really seen that so far. Um but I would be interested to see – it would be interesting to see if maybe Slukas and Kendrick Nunn might play together at times. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a smaller backcourt, but you got two ball handlers, two decision makers. Um, and now, in that case, you know, like you said, those minutes might drop. Um, I haven't really seen much of Kyle Guy. You know, his minutes might suffer a little bit as well. But, um, you know, it would be really interesting to see um, if the adjustment uh, doesn't take too long for Kendrick Nunn in terms of, Uh, The restrict the smaller spacing, uh, not like the NBA, Um, you know, the obviously the gameplay in itself uh, is a little more is more physical than than the NBA. So if there's a if 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 Kendrick Nunn can find himself uh, adjusting to that quickly, then who knows? Maybe you could see a a Lucas and and Kendrick Nunn backcourt. Yeah,
2: I could see that, too, because. Kyle Guy kind of already out the rotation. He hasn't really, you know, got many opportunities. And when you add another player, it just makes it more difficult. And a player of none's quality, mm-hmm. you know, you're not paying him that salary, you know, bringing him in on that contract to play, you know, spot minutes. He's coming in to play a large role. And we've seen, you know, Ottoman's offense be dynamic with two guys who can play pick and roll and who can score, um, you know, Misich, um, and larkins and i think you know maybe he wants to replicate that with you know a guy who's really good in the pick and roll with lucas and then a guy who's really good one-on-one with none and you know see what he can do there
0: Yep, it's it's yeah it's interesting that you mentioned kyle guy because he's so far he had like up and down start of the season but i think he played a huge game uh, yesterday against Olympiakos in the Greek league, scored 11 mm-hmm. points, made 3-3 three, three pointers, and actually started the game. So maybe, you know, that was his reaction uh, to the pressure or to the signals that Eric mentioned coming from, from Ergin Nataman. But it's, you know, it's, I think this whole question is interesting because in the recent days, I was hearing that, let's say, a lot of guards in Panathinaikos shouldn't be, shouldn't feel safe about their situation, about their future, and sometimes teams make signings to shake up uh, the backcourt, the front line, the the current roster that that they have. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these other players are gonna adjust, how they are gonna react, and how they are gonna uh, adapt. So maybe it's gonna be you know this. Uh, natural competition of who's going to earn the place on the court and practices or, or in games and because obviously now Ataman will have to choose from a lot of a lot of good players and just. Those yep. practices
2: are going to be very fun to watch, you know, for guys. I know Ottomans. In- High <laughs> energy, real intense. You're fighting for your yeah, life. For sure. Fighting for your life. <laughs> for
1: sure. I was to say, it's all, it's all on the line yeah. now. It's definitely
2: all and, on and the line. And their practices are a lot of five-on-five. Five if he's maintained the same, um, you know, structure as he has in the past, you play a lot of five-on-five. Five, so it's a lot of opportunities to kind of show yourself head-to-head um, head against guys. I'm sure you're going to see, you know, maybe guys guarding each other, you know, turning up a notch a little bit, bringing that physicality, which will only, I think, make the team better, um, increase the level of play. But also, like you said, it's a small margin for error. So guys are going to be you know, on their game. They're going to be working harder and they're going to know that, you know, maybe I have one mistake in the game or two mistakes and there's a guy who's, you know, just as good or better that's willing to come in and, and take advantage
0: of his time. It's interesting you mentioned the way he handles the practices and, there are some coaches who recognize players performing in the practices, but there are some that, you know, you can be one of the best players in the practice, but you're not getting much minutes or much opportunities uh, on the court. What kind of coach Ataman is? Is he emphasize the effort, the level that you show in the practices, or it's all about, you know, performing uh, in games uh, for him? When I play with
2: him, um, I think you got to establish yourself. So if you're a known commodity, um, you're somebody who's has success, who's done things, you know, obviously he'll allow you to ease into it. You know, you saw it with Larkin, you know, he would miss a lot of the preseason sometimes with some unfortunate injuries. Um, But then he allowed him to work his way in there, you know, but at first when he first came, you know, there was a a little struggle there. And I think um, it took him some time to adjust to Turkey, um, the new place. And you have seen him, you know, maybe one foot out the door, one foot in the door, but then he responded. Um, He played at that level and he just turned it up another notch. Um, Same with me when I was with them, um, you know, he gauges you based on your practice, where you're at, what you're doing. And then he does little mind things. Like if you're not shooting well, let's say you was 0 for 5 from 3, over for 7 3. He'll be like, everyone, um, practice is finished. And then he'll name those guys who aren't shooting well. You have to get 100 makes, 150 makes, like little stuff like that. And it just helps you, you know, if you're a competitor, if you're somebody who loves the game, like you're just going to put the work in and, you know, you're not, who wants to complain about shooting more, you know? So if he doesn't want those type of guys, but practice, I mean, He's going to use that to gauge you. And if you do what you're supposed to do, he will give you an opportunity in the game. Um, I've seen it with guys who perform well in practice and guys who struggle, you know, he's less likely to go to you because him and other coaches, they don't feel that confidence. They don't feel like you're locked in. You're there. You're not in that rhythm. And the game is so much rhythm, so much confidence. Everybody at this level is a good Mm -hmm. player. But once you get in your flow, once you feel comfortable, once a guy believes in himself, if he has that confidence of the coach, you see guys start to elevate. That's why you see guys go to, certain teams and not play that well not because they're not a good player but because the system um, the opportunity or the confidence or the trust given to them was less and then you'll see them the next year switch teams and you're like wow this this guy's a high level player like no he's been a high level player it was just about the trust and the faith and the willingness of a coach to let him free
0: yeah just
2: like
1: that's a great example
0: no go ahead kendrick it's okay no, I was just going to say.
1: I feel like we we all know guys who who have who have been like that. You know, we see them in in a certain situation, and you know, they might not they might not you know perform up to their to what the level we know that they're capable of. Um, and we see them next year in a totally different situation where they have the confidence uh, in their self and uh, from from their coach. And it's it seems like it's night and day. Um, you know, I, I I've been in that position before. I know plenty of my my peers have been in that position before as well. So um, it's just it's just part of the, it's part of the grind. It's part of the the, the game, and you know you got to be able to adjust with whatever the situation is.
0: Yeah, and just like Chimo Moneke recently said in one of the interviews, there's no such thing as a bad player. There's just a bad fit, and uh, you know we can see. Through Monaco's example, you know the way he played in Monaco and the way he's playing in the Basconia. You cannot say that you know he was bad a few months ago, and now suddenly he's a whole different player. No, he's just the same player, just in a different situation, different opportunity to show what he's best of. So, so yeah, that's 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 really important, you know, to know because sometimes we're fans, basketball people, even GMs, they tend to. Uh, Writes players uh, off uh, too soon and they're basing on some particular bad examples that they shouldn't make a picture of, of the player and how he, good he can be. But just wrap this up about Panikos. Uh Where did you see... I mean, this this whole situation is very interesting because yesterday Panathinaikos won their first derby game this season uh, after losing the first two games. And this whole journey started from a Huge loss in the Super Cup tournament before the official season started. It was a 20-point-plus uh, loss against Olympiacos. It was a horrible offensive game, but now we see them improving. They're in the Euroleague already. They forced Olympiacos to overtime, and they were really close to win that one. And finally, they got the job done. In Costas Lucas' return to Piraeus playing his first game against his former team in in Olympiacos' uh, gym, with Watching their development and now with Kendrick Nunn signing, where did you see Panathinaikos in the playoff picture before or where do you see them now?
2: I saw them just missing the playoffs and I still see them that position just because it's really tough when you get a new coach, um, so many new players, a new system. Um, it takes time to put that all together, especially when you're playing against guys who have been together three, four years, um, running the system, knowing each other's... Um, quirks what they like on the court where they like the ball what people can do it takes time and that's built over the course of the season and we haven't even saw how you know none may fit or may not fit or how he'll be put into place so i do like the the fans are i do like the talent i like the energy that they're bringing you can tell that something um is alive there that ottoman's brought he's brung a belief um and a hope and that's something that can kind of lift players up and get you marquee wins um they still have some struggles offensively um Many periods where they don't score for long stretches um, and, and the year lead is so deep. I mean, there's so many teams who haven't even hit their strategy. I mean, you look at, you know, efforts could potentially, you know, if they find their groove, they're also in a new situation, a new coach. You know, they have some core guys returning, but, you know, if they hit their groove, something could change there. You think about Maccabi, they could lift up when Wade Ballman comes back from injury. Um, you think about Red Star, they have a new coach who's been to the Euroleague final who's been in that situation he's starting to use all the roster you bring a new life sometimes when you bring a new coach you know they could also you know make a change there and those are teams that are you know in that same position as Panathinaikos fighting you know for that playoff position so I think that the potential is there I think that they're building something a stepping stone um, for the next year and for the future but I think it would be a tall task to expect playoffs okay could it happen yes it could but realistically i think um just being in that mix is a step forward and you know i think next year is when you really start to see them take off and ottoman can really control the roster get his guys in there have a full off season, and you know really put his um, imprint on that team yeah uh
1: you know i for me I, I i to begin the season when i saw you know how they looked on paper i had them at the seven to eight spot just getting into the playoffs. Um, I think now after a couple weeks, and of course, you know, it's still early, right? So you got to take everything with a grain of salt, but right now, like Eric said, I think I got them just outside of the playoffs. Um, just because when I look at a lot of these other EuroLeague teams, um, they kind of have that core that's already there. And that's, you know, obviously so important when you talk about, you know, games that you might need to win on tough games that you might need to win on the road or, you know, uh, 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 double week games where, you know, you kind of have to rely on that um, that core group and that chemistry in, in key moments. Um, and I don't think they, they have that just yet. Um, I don't really know where the offense really generates from at this point. Um, but again, you know, you still have time to figure all that out and you have Kendrick Nunn to come in and hopefully help with that as well. But um, as of now, you know, I don't, necessarily think they're a playoff team but they're they're right I think they could if they if they can the sooner they get pieces together I think they can kind of make for a push to that last or second to last playoff spot but if I'm speaking frankly I, I don't see it happening this year
0: it's good that we have a playing tournament uh, this year and I do see them as a play playing team and then I think it all depends on the matchups they're going to get. So you, you never know what kind of team you're getting in the playoffs and the play-in, if they're going to be, you know, in the best shape, if all the players going to be available. So just staying in this mix already gives you opportunity because as we saw in the last few playoffs, it's it's about rhyme, right timing. It's about speaking at the right time and the first seed can lose to the eighth seed or force at least force the game five and it's... it's Unpredictable as it might happen uh in, in today's basketball, especially with the Euroleague. So uh so if you got especially you, you know if you have them in a the play in, yeah. who's out?
2: Maccabi, Partizan, Red Star, uh, Efes, Milan?
0: You're putting Who, me in a tough situation. Who's out? <laughs> I mean I'm curious
1: I'm, Out of out of the teams that you just named for me, I might have to I might have to go Milan. Milan might have to be out of there for me. From what I've seen so far.
2: Yeah, because if you, most people <laughs> probably have what, most people would say potentially what: Bologna, Valencia, Zagiris, Maccabi, Panathinaikos, Partizan, Ephes. Rest are all fighting probably what four to that ten spot. Mm-hmm. At least, that. and so it's it's tough. Like so many good teams, yeah. it's not like we think Panathinaikos is bad. It's just just the depth of the Euroleague. I think has improved immensely. A lot of good players.
1: And and I think at that it's it's just going to come down to who's who's really hottest at that point, you know. I think wasn't last year one of the most competitive uh, years in the Euroleague? Mm-hmm. From I can't remember what the what the standings were, but every game matters, um, you know. Not to be cliche, but um, you know I think at, once we get to you know that that tail end of the season it's going to be who's obviously who's healthy, right? That's number one. But who's got the best rhythm? Who's in the best shape? Um, and who's really clicking? Because who who knows, man? It's, it can be, it can be night and day with who we're speaking about now and who we can be speaking about. You know, six seven months from now.
2: So who who are you gonna take out, Donatus? Who are you gonna take out? I know there's got to be two it or depends. three big teams. If you think they're gonna make the plan, there's two or three big teams that you're
0: gonna have to leave off. To be honest, from the current playoff picture, I'm really unsure if Virtus or Valencia gonna remain the top eight. I agree. Uh, it's early, they're on a good streak, but it's it's going to be really hard, you know, to keep the bar so high. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i not a big believer in Jalgiris, although I'm from Lithuania, but, you know, I'm just realizing that, I'm just being realistic, this EU-league is strong as hell, so with, the, with these teams, it's, it's going to be really hard to repeat the consecutive playoff appearance. So my idea of seeing Panhaikos in the play-in is that I'm not sure how Maccabi gonna survive this season with the situation that they have to deal with. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, playing yeah. away all the time, how it affects players mentally. In the long yeah. run, it might affect them. Uh, this Milan thing is, is I don't know, is, is a mystery for me. But the problem with Milan and some teams, like F has also started kind of slow, but problem with Milan is like at any point of the season, they can bring a huge player like, Top player from the top shelf, and it might dramatically change the uh, you know flow of the season. Mm-hmm. If they would stay with the same team, I would say that I might have them out of the top eight, top ten. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if Zvezda will improve enough to make the plane, But at the same time, we're hearing that Sferopoulos might do some adjustments. So that's the problem of the league. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not even November. Teams tend to sign big players uh, and change the 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 flow of the season dramatically, and we are not even sure if that's the final roster that we have in Panathinaikos. And we and we still got Partizan,
2: like maybe they're going to start hitting their stride after that big win. Yeah,
0: we'll see. We'll see that these predictions, these early October predictions, of course, gonna make us look stupid uh, if we will rewind this podcast in March or in April, but. That's the part of the podcasting, and especially when we do it in the yearly. This is the most unpredictable tournament that we have.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a fact.
0: Yeah, and there is this case with uh, Olympiakos. Uh, they lost to Panaykos, and they lost to Panaykos in kind of, you know, horrible fashion, 54 points at home. And I have to be honest, it was one of the strangest games or at least stats I've ever seen, or I've seen in a while. I mean, they were four from 16 from the free throw line. I'm not sure if I ever w- mm. saw anything like that at the highest level. They were 35% from the field against Panjikos, Uh in five games they played in the EuroLeague. Uh, Olympiakos have the 16th. Offensive rating per fifty there are 15 in the 3 point percentage, 18th in the pace, and 17th in the free throws attempted, which maybe shows that they lack of uh, aggressivity. Uh, what do you think? I mean, having the second under 60-point game in the last couple of weeks, is it is it something is it nothing is it is it everything does it show that they still although they signed so many players for the backcourt does it show that they lack of this elite creator that could create shots for himself or for others or just the time of adjusting because we should not forget that they're missing the mvp of the EuroLeague league and the player who was you know scoring when it mattered costas lucas who switched sides for me i think that It's just been some
2: inconsistencies in their offense. Um, They have long lags sometimes where they don't score. Sometimes they look potent, they're shooting, they're moving the ball. And then some games they're just struggling to manufacture good looks or easy opportunities. Um, I think they're a group of winners. So there are many games this year where maybe they didn't deserve to win and they found a way to win. Um, They made the little plays, the intangible stuff, the hustle plays. Like they're tough, they're gritty. You know, I give them that and their experience. And teams like that, they find a way to kind of push through. But the problem is with this depth of this year lead and all these talented scores and players, you're going to need a little bit more firepower offensively. And they showed it at times that maybe they could get through, you know, without, you know, the MVP. Maybe they could just find a way. Look like guys were, you know, showing, you know, a little bit of growth you've seen it in the first couple of games. But it's probably not realistic to expect, um, you know, you know, maybe Thomas woke up to go five or ten from three every game. That's tough. He's out there guarding the best player. He's playing, you know, almost thirty minutes a night. You know, putting a lot of people in tough situations with his defensive intangibles and skill set. You know, it's taxing um, to play in those double weeks and to go into Greek lead, play all these games, and expect him to pick up a lot of that scoring slack, and to go hold the best player on the other team. You know, to under double figures. So I think. And they need to find some opportunity i think what really hurt him is cannon getting into foul trouble um he's had some problems with foul trouble in a couple of those EuroLeague games and you know he's that guy that can give them a spark offensively you know with his shooting with the way he can get hot and you know with him getting in foul trouble um with we'll walk up having to carry a heavy load um, i wouldn't be surprised if they do turn to the market i think nigel missing a you know a game or two kind of hurt them a little bit and he's a guy that can really pick up that scoring slack as well so I think when they're whole and they're healthy, um, they've shown that they have the capability. Now they just have to be healthy and it can't be injuries to the main guard positions. Now that's a lot to ask, you know, over the course of a Euroleague season. But if I think if Cannon's healthy, Walkup's healthy, and Nigel's healthy, I feel like they have enough firepower to get it done in that backcourt. But if one of those guys are out, whether it's foul trouble or injuries, it's really a struggle for them offensively to maintain that pace with some of the elite scoring team. You know, will they keep the game close? Yes. Will they be choppy, tough, to. Greeks are known for that tough defense and their strategy and all that type of things. But, you know, sometimes you don't have to put the ball in the basket. And, you know, that's where they struggled in some of those games. No matter how good you are defensively, you're not going to win many games scoring 60 points, you know, at a high level of European basketball.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you think of, well, when I think of Olympiakos, I think of, you know, gritty, right? Really grinded out um, 40 minute game. Um and then, you know that's kind of the the identity that they that they built for themselves um but at the same time you do need that that firepower when you know when you're going up against a, another offensive juggernaut team um i would like personally i would like to see you know walk up kind of take more of a of a of a step forward in that uh creating shots for himself or others you know i i, I saw a lot of a lot of it during the during the world cup that just passed when he was playing with greece um you know, things that, you know, I we, we don't see from walk-up in an Olympiacos. Obviously, we're used to seeing him, you know, run the offense, get guys open shots, pick up full court, be a pest, do all the gritty and grinding things. But um, with, with the World Cup, he was more this scoring role, you know, coming off the screens looking for not only shots for other guys, but for himself, too. And it was pleasantly surprising for me because I just always known him as, um, you know, kind of a, a – a, traditional point guard and a and a def- defensive, you know, juggernaut. So, um, I would like to see him, you know, kind of take on that role of being more of a more of a, a threat to get himself looks as long as or as well as getting other guys involved. Um, you know, he, like you said, you touched on Nigel William Goss helping out with that, helping out with that point guard role a little bit taking some of that uh that wear and tear off a of walk up. Um, but I think, you know, offensively a lot of it's going to have to be run through Isaiah Cannon. He's there. He's there. Literally, he's there. Cannon off the off the bench. You know, whether he's starting or coming off the bench, he's he's the one that really gets him going. When he's making these threes and at the, at home, you know, he's getting the crowd involved into it. He has to find a way to keep himself in game. So, um, I think all those things combined, um, you know, will will definitely help them in the long run. I'm not really too worried about it because um, they have such a, a tight knit core that has been together forever. Uh, from the coach to the players, uh, of course, it hurts losing the losing the MVP. But um, I think they're they're more than capable of getting themselves into a into a position where they can be uh, be in the final four again, even without uh, vizenkov uh, holding it down for
0: them. Yeah, enough of Greek teams. We've covered them pretty in depth. What about the Serbian derby that we had? Two, two Belgrade Derby games in, in five days, one in the EuroLeague and the last one in the ABBA League that we had yesterday. What did you guys learn about Partizan and Zvezda from their two Derby games if, if you managed to watch at least one of them in the EuroLeague? I, I'm personally, I was in Belgrade to experience it by myself. It, I would say it was a remarkable experience for me, and I, I cannot imagine how you guys can handle that kind of pressure and that kind of atmosphere and then you're here on the floor where you have to, you know, perform at the highest level. Really, if I would be in your shoes, I know I would go like oh, from 5, free turnovers, you know, and just sitting on the bench, really, because I was stunned. I was really stunned for the first few minutes of the game.
2: Oh, it was a great atmosphere. I mean, anytime you get that derby, you know, it's going to be special. Um, that's something that, you know, you tell people at home to go to YouTube, to look at this. It's always a game you want to see. I think... Projesan sold a lot of heart. Um, Anytime you lose, not only a player of Kevin Punter's caliber, um, but his leadership, um, his big shot making. Um, Sometimes when a a big player is just on the court, it gives everybody a sense of peace knowing that, you know, we got him here. And to see um, Alexa Abramovich step up, um, see Zach Ladey hit those clutch free throws. It just is something that's going to propel them and help them throughout the course of the season because they're showing that they can get it done multiple ways. Yes, we can get it done with Kevin Punter scoring 20 points and, you know, hitting those tough dagger threes, but they also showed a different part, and that's something that's going to allow them to continue to grow. Um, And Smilich has been solid this season as well, and they're finding different ways to to win and to compete. Um, and I was very impressed with them because I thought, you know, as the course of the game was going that they were going to lose, you know. Red Star kind of controlled the game later. Um, things were happening. Um, you know, the guard play they had a little, you know, a little spurt come in. They brought in the little guy, Yagos, and he really changed, you know, the dynamic of the game. And you know, you've seen different lineups with them. And you know, when you're watching nine point game, eight point game with you know, six, seven minutes left, I'm thinking, okay, it's probably over. And you know, they just found a way to, to continue to get it done. Um, you know, if you're a Red Star you know, you can feel encouraged about that's your first game with the new coach. Um, You show, you know, life, the ability to do that, but you didn't close. Um, You had in your experienced player, you know, he down the stretch, he made some errors, he made some mistakes. You know, Milos is a great player, uh, but he just hasn't found his rhythm this season yet. And, you know, you know that eventually the tide's going to turn. You know, he's going to hit some of those shots. He's done it so many times. Uh, and unfortunately, he just hasn't been shooting the ball well. And he had some good looks Um, and it happens, you know, it's part of the game. But I think, um, you know, them going to that three guard front is really going to help them and allow them to keep, you know, Milos fresh, to keep Shabazz fresh and to give them different looks and a boost energy. But um, Partizan, I think, is going to take a leap forward just because, you know, when you go through that type of environment, that type of win, it brings you closer together and alleviates some of the pressure. Where Red Star, I think it's going to be really a gut check moment um, because playing in those type of places with those type of fan bases, it can be really difficult once you face adversity. And usually there's two things that happen. That adversity either can break you and divide you and create individuals in that locker room or, you know, it can bring you closer together. And even if you don't have, you know, the support of, you know, everyone outside the organization, you have each other. So I'm curious to see which way it's going to go. I played for Giannis DiRopoulos and, you know, he's a great coach. Um, Good defensive coach, has good things, has experience. Um, He's a guy that knows how to motivate people. Um, and, you know, he helped me throughout my course of my career as I was trajecting on the way up. You know, we kind of rose up together from Panionis. So, you know, I believe he can get the job done. He's a guy that, you know, I believe in. And if there's anyone who's coming into a new situation, he did it at Olympiacos. You know, he's done it at different places throughout the middle of the season. Come in and kind of shift the momentum and kind of change the approach of things and bring that new life into the team. And I think, you know, he can do it, but it's not going to be easy. But, you know, he's the guy for the job.
0: By the way, Eric, since you mentioned that you played for Svaropoulos, there is this, let's say, thinking that he helps to elevate scoring type of guards in his teams that he had in, in the previous teams, starting, you know, from Vasilis Panoulis, Scotty he obviously had some other guys uh, who were driving, uh, playing under Svaropoulos. Did you notice any special approach that he might have for, for guards or in the way he helps you to, to perform at your best level? Yeah, um,
2: so I played with him. And I was 25, um, and we were in the Euro Cup, and I was kind of like making my name in Europe. And he was really hard on me, like so tough on me. And I was wondering, I was like, "Why did he sign me? Does he even like me?" Like that's how tough he was on me. And but he pulled me into the side, and he told me that, you know, you could be special. You know, you're a guy that I see can play at the high level, and you're not going to be back here next year. Um, my goal is to take you to the Euro League. You're going to go to the Euro League, and I'm going to go to the Euro League. And then, you know, my mindset shifted. I said, okay, he just sees something in me and he's going to push me. And what I liked about him is he held everybody accountable. Usually with him, he's going to take whoever the best player is on that team and he's going to push them. He's going to elevate them. He's going to challenge them. He's going to make you play both ends of the court. And when the rest of the team sees how he approaches the guy, the best player, um, he's respectful, but he's going to bring the best out of you. It makes everybody else get in line because they see that if he's going to talk to, let's say, Milo Todosis or Shabazz Napier like that um, about playing defense, about doing the little things, about being aggressive, I know that I need to be those things. So, like, he's a really good motivator. He's a good coach. He knows his hoops. And he's going to hold you accountable. And he gives chances to everyone. Like, if you are putting in the work, if you're performing well in practice, if you're doing what you need to do, he's going to give you a chance. And you got to sink or swim. And I think um that's what you saw with Yagos getting his opportunity, you know, getting to play. He's coming in. It's a fresh slate. Everyone go out there, show me what you got. And then from there, he'll kind of make his rotation. And so I think that just gives infusion of life to the team and to players when you know that, oh, I got a fresh start. Let me make my impact. Let me show how I can be valuable to this team. And, you know, and he'll, he'll allow you to know everyone's important. Everybody has a role. And whether it's setting screens, diving on the floor, or cheering on your teammates – you know he values each member, and you know I enjoy playing for him, and I always wish him the best.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Before before I talk about the 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 derby, I just got to say that's you hit it on the nail. You hit the nail on the head when you talk about like a coach that players want to play for. It seems like he's obviously I haven't I've never played for him, but it seems like that's the the prototype of a coach that a player wants to play for. You know, you're holding people accountable. Um, you're giving opportunities but you're also reassuring, right, the same way. Um, so just, you know, quick little tangent. I def- that, that definitely seems like, you know, someone who a lot of players should, should want to play for. Um, going back to the derby, um, the thing about it, whether it's, you know, the, the Belgrade Derby or the Greek Derby, um, you know, e, when you were with Ephesus, I'm sure you guys had y'all derbies. It doesn't really matter what's going on in, in the respective seasons it kind of, like, everything just focuses on this one game. When I was playing with Panathinaikos, obviously we got, we started off the EuroLeague season terribly. Um uh, I think we were one and three at the time. You know, it, it was, it was, it, it was a lot of things were kind of building up in terms of like, you know, maybe we need some roster changes, blah, 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 blah. But then once the, once the Greek Derby hit, it was like, look, we need to win this game. You know, is it, it, it doesn't matter what happened before, we need to win this game. We need to, you know, if we if we take care of business and we win this game, then you know, things will things will calm down, you know. And I think that's kind of the that's kind of the mindset that, that that's kind of the atmosphere that these derbies have, right? So when you think of the the partisan red star rivalry, um, obviously, you know, both teams are still I think trying to find their way with uh, the new additions and, you know, with Partizan losing, uh, key players from their, from their run last year in terms of LaSort and Madar. Um, you know, I love what I'm seeing from Romovich so far. I like the PJ Dozier addition. But I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna pan out really well for them. Um, I love what obviously KP and, 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 and Nunnally have been doing for them and then when you look at red star pretty much a, a totally new team with a new coach like like he said having a, a fresh start clean slate for me it kind of seemed it, it was one of those anything can happen games right um and you know it was a, it was a good showing for i think both teams even though you know red star couldn't couldn't pull it, pull away with it um i think it was a good foundation for for the new coach and you know kind of getting guys acclimated because you know, it's it's tough when you ask a new coach to uh, to coach his first game in Stark Arena with twenty thousand, you know, fans screaming and hollering. You know, um, that's that's not an easy task to kind of step right into. But um, you know, it was it was great basketball as always, and I'm um, I'm interested to see how how both of these teams are going to fare, just not in the ABA League, but in the Euro League as well. I'm you know, early predictions. I'm sure they're both going to be in the finals of of League as they have been for so many other years but um and your league don't be surprised if if they both are are kind of in the mix for for playoff spots as well
0: okay okay that's nice by the way it's good you mentioned the derby specifics and i remember i had a lot of conversations about those derbies and i kind of you know created this impression that you can actually you know suck for five consecutive games but if you perform in a derby game you're gonna change the way people look at you, you know, starting from you the management <laughs> and go to defense. Yes, yes. You can mess
1: around and save your job if you have a if you have a good, uh, have a good performance <laughs> in the derby game. Never underestimate a, a good derby game.
0: Yeah, so these derby games can actually build a, a nice new contract for you as well, or at least uh, keep your keep your place uh, in the team. Um, right. It's it's gonna it's, it's it's also gonna be interesting to see how those. Serbian teams going to try to improve their rosters because uh Partizan they're reportedly close to reach an agreement with Bruno Caboclo who was having a strange story he signed with Venice he was supposed to play there but he finally decided not to he played for Israeli team in the, let's say, preseason games of the NBA teams, hoping to get the NBA deal done. And now he's about to return. And from what I hear also as well, that Partizan is, is really close to signing him. I don't know if, if you guys could expand on if he is the right fit for this team, if he uh, can you know, produce the game that Partizan needs at this moment for their frontline.
2: He was really good in all. Um, um... Last year um, when they won um, the German league, um, he's a guy who has size, he has good hands. He could finish. You know, I'm familiar with his game. He's a good player, but to expect a rookie who's never played at the yearly level um, to carry a team or to, to make that changes, it's really tough. Huh? Does he have talent? Yes. Has he played at um, a high level? Um, he played at the mid level, um, but he's a guy who I think, you know, when you're a five, it's an easier transition, right? You're screening, you're rolling. You know, if you have good guard play, they can kind of make the game easier for you. You know, he has a great coach if he goes there. Abradovich is a guy who's going to kind of bring him along. Expectation level is going to be extremely high. Um, you got to remember, Lasort was there. That was a guy who was a fan favorite, um, who played phenomenal basketball and still doing a great job at Panther Nichols as we currently watch. But I think it's just a situation where... You know, you know, he's been playing basketball. He was doing some games um, with the Israeli team um, on the circuit, playing against some NBA teams. So, you know, he's been playing, you know, he might be a little bit informed, but I think it's just a tall task. I mean, you think Frank Kaminsky is the guy who, you know, is highly regarded, played in the NBA, you know, had a big role, was a superb college player. And, you know, he's having an adjustment period himself. And this is a guy who's played, you know, major minutes on NBA teams, um, legit role. So, you know, it was one to, to bait. Maybe he's better suited in a situation where he's coming in as a backup, you know, rather than being the main five, just until he gets his feet wet, until he builds his confidence, until he, you know, adjusts not only to the demands of playing for Abramovich, but the demands of playing for a club like Partizan. I mean you lose at home, no one cares. Like you come in the next day, you lose at Partizan. It's a little different. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, facts. I I think um, you know I I I like what I'm seeing from Smoligic. So I'm I'm thinking you know maybe he does come in as a backup. You know even if the even if the adjustment isn't as bad as we might think, uh, just because you know like you said, there's familiarity with Smoligic and, and not just Partizan but with Bradavich and the rest of the guys. You know there's there's familiarity there. There's uh, you know uh, we already know how he plays. We already know how he's going to handle. You know these big atmospheres, these these big huge games. Um, so we kind of know what we're getting in that regard. With uh, with the new signing, I think if it does go through, um, I think it'll just kind of be you know kind of a, a filler in. We need we just need some help in the interior position right now. We need some rebounding. We need some just some interior. We need a, a different look from the from the inside. So um, if he, if the signing does come true, I don't expect it to be. Um, Game changing or season changing over overnight, but I definitely think he can contribute for sure.
0: It's 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 funny you mention it because like a few hours ago I had conversations with some scouts and they actually said that at this point of the season nobody should be considered as a game changing addition. So you know, and people usually they have new players bring excitement. In season additions also bring excitement. It brings some new topics to to talk about. Uh, new hopes, uh, but but people, yeah, they should r- really understand that it's not like uh, it, it, it's 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 not like s- something that's gonna change things dramatically. It's just addition to 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 fill some holes, to fill some gaps that the team is facing. And just watching Partizan, I just thought that you know they're missing some rim protection. Don't know if Kaboklo would be the right person, you know, to 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 fill that gap. But of course, they needed some uh, addition in the front line. Uh, And I'm just curious to see if they're going to make some other changes because there was um, this conversation, there were rumors, you know, the people they were exploring that they might add another perimeter player. And now we have Kevin Punter injured and he is out for at least two weeks. And from what I hear, it might be even, he, he might be out even longer. And we're talking about, you know, being out for two weeks, three, four weeks, it, it usually means quite a bunch of yearly games. So I wouldn't be surprised if that situation would force them to make, you know, backcourt additions or to be at least a bit aggress- more aggressive with the backcourt uh, additions. Unless, you know, Alexa Ravich continues to play the way he's playing and, and delivering those crazy four-quarter and crunch time performances. Then they might stay with the roster uh, they have.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> World Cup, Alexi is different. Well, that boy, that boy different. different. Hey, he came back. <laughs> hey, he been hooping. I gotta give it credit to him. Man, he been he came <laughs> back in
1: crazy form. He came back in crazy form, and, and and it's and it's funny because you know when when uh when they lost Madar, you know he was a big energy guy for them last year. You know picking up full court, getting these steals, making these plays out of that seemed like just kind of happen out of nothing. You know, um, so uh, you know losing him was obviously a, a huge piece for them, and uh alexa just kind of came in and just filled that role and is just riding that wave man he's he's doing a phenomenal job right now
0: guys let's continue with the spanish teams because i think that they really deserve uh quite some recognition real madrid stays on top of the Euroleague as the only undefeated team so far with the perfect record five and zero barca actually got the first lost just because they played against Real Madrid last week. They are 4-1, and one, just as Valencia uh, on a crazy start, uh, four wins in five games. And if actually, if you go further to other competitions, you see Gran Canaria being perfect in the Euro Cup, or for instance, Unicaja Malaga with Kendrick Perry uh, perfect in, in the first two games. Uh, so, you know, another great start for the Spanish teams. We'll see how they're going to finish the season, but if, if you could, it's, it's the question for you, uh, Kendrick, uh, basically. If you would exclude one biggest strength of all of those winning teams so far, we will continue Bas- with Basconia later. But what makes, you know, Barca, Valencia and Real Madrid so great? You, you already faced two of these three teams at the start of the season, but whether it was a Supercopa or, or ACB season. What mm-hmm. kind of impression did those games leave to you?
1: Well, uh, when you look at when you look at Madrid, right? They're obviously they're the defending, you know, Euroleague champs, and they they've brought everybody back. Um, they've added Campazzo, which is you know uh, that uh, at this point that doesn't really need to be said. You know, playmaker, um, leader in every sense of the word. Have they have a really good balance of offensive firepower and um, defense, defensive just different matchups. They can go really big. Um, they can go fast. You know, they can kind of match up with with anybody offensively and defensively. And you know, again, you'll you you keep hearing me talk about how important the core and the chemistry is, and they've they've got that along with um, guys who have been there. You know, Chacho Rodriguez, you know, Rudy Fernandez, Sergio Yule, You know, these are guys who have seen it all. It seems like you know, so they're never really phased by. It seems like they're never really phased by really big moments. And then you put them with a, with a dynamic playmaker like Compazzo. Um Gabriel deck is playing out of his mind so far this season. Uh, obviously, you know, you got the interior of uh, twin towers of Tavares and Poirier. I mean, they just got a lot of pieces, man. And they're, they're a very hard team to beat. You got to play damn near perfect to, to beat them. And you got to have some luck on your side. Um, you know, when we, we talk about Valencia, um, you know, I love the additions they made this season. Brandon Davies, uh, Damian Inglis from, from – that was previously with Grand Canary. Uh, Semi Ojale was a big one for them. And then they kept their their firepower with their guards in terms of Chris Jones and, and Harper, um, along with, you know, Claver, their, their Spanish guys who have all, always been uh, key contributors for them as well. So um, I think with them, their biggest thing is they're, they're, they're big as well. You know, they can switch almost, you know, one through five. And they, they cause teams, they cause teams problems. They can, they can keep up with their bigs can keep up with guards on the perimeter and their guards can kind of hold their own with, with bigs in the post. So they, they create a lot of mismatch problems for teams. Um, and then, you know, Barca, uh, with them, you know, obviously we could, we could have wrote them off when, when Miritich left, um, with, with the new coach, but, you know they're right back in the mix as well signing Jabari Parker. Um, I think there is a bit of a, a learning curve in terms of transitioning from the NBA to this game, but he's coming along to his own. Um, you know obviously you still got Lafro. you' still got the guys who have been around and who have, who have won them games. so um, you know it's just you know like you said, Spain is just it's one of those leagues where it's highly competitive uh, night in and night out. Um, we're seeing that through not just Euro League but Euro Cup Champions League as well. Um, and the ACB is a domestic league. You know, this, everybody knows it's, it's one of, if not the best, uh, domestic leagues in all of Europe. And I think it's just a a testament to the, the, the talent and the kind of the, the system and the foundation that, that Spanish basketball has set over the years. Um, but it's, it's exciting to be a part of. And, you know, it's, it's exciting to watch these teams kind of, kind of grow and, uh, learn how to maneuver from, from last season to this season.
0: Eric, do you have anything to add about the greatness of the Spanish team so far early into the season? Oh, Spanish teams have been excellent. I mean,
2: you kind of expect it from Madrid just because, you know, they're the returning champion, you know, they're ultimate consistency. But what's surprising to me is that they've had all this success with Tavares, you know, still, you know, finding his rhythm. You know, if you would have told me that Tavares would be averaging less than three rebounds a game, you know, six points, and they'd be 5-0, and I would have said you you're mistaken. You know, there's got to be at least one or two losses in there. But the fact that they'd have been able to maintain this pace, you know, with him finding his way for um, it, stepping up even more, it, it makes them more dangerous. I mean, imagine when he's, you know, at that form that we know he's capable of and he will return to. It's, it's going to be scary. Um, Barcelona, like he said, huge surprise only because the talent's always been there, right? But anytime you have a coaching change, you're always wondering, you know, how guys are going to adjust. You know, you lose a player of merited status. You know, I'm uncertain, you know, what we're going to get. And they come out and they look great. I mean, they have size at length. Um, they're playing with uh, passion. They're playing hard. Um, and, you know, they're playing more of a Spanish style. Um, a little bit more freedom, a little more up-tempo. And you're starting to see that success um, for them. So, you know, kudos to them and for their play. Um, and Valencia is the biggest surprise. Um, you know, you've seen that started off slow last year, which was expected. New coach, new system, you know, coming up and, you know, kind of adjusting. And, you know, now that coach has had that year in, you know, he's able to kind of implement his style, what he wants, get his players in. Um, he returned to Chris Jones, you know, who I think is a very good point guard, you know, one of the more underrated point guards in the Euroleague. Um and I always love Brandon Davies' game. You know, I think, you know, he shoots the mid-range. He's smart. You know, he's really good on the pick-and-roll defense. Um, he can post, you know, score in that mid-post area or back to basket. I think they add that dimension. And, you know, they just have a lot of guys that can hurt you. You know, they're not dependent on one score to go get 18 to 20 points. You know, it's going to be five, six guys who can really kill you from that 8 to 13-point range. So, you know, I think they're, they're somebody that's really surprised me. I don't know if they will maintain that pace. I don't know if it's even realistic to expect that but you know what they've done so far you know can be applauded um you know their coach has done an excellent job mumbro you know i, I played against them years ago um good to see a player doing well as a coach and basconia they're just this is bad to watch i mean yeah they yeah they yeah they're struggling <laughs> I mean, right now they just on my yearly pass if i see basconia i just skip right through it they don't even want to watch it like they have some good players they have some talent but they're just not playing quality basketball they don't look good the game looks tough uh, every time you turn it on they're losing it's just it's hard you know it's just not a team that's one of my favorites for tickers you know to watch you know i they could be playing even one of the top teams i just skip on right by you know so you know maybe um they'll start to play better there'll be a change there'll be something where you know with dusko coming in bring some firepower but you know, right now they're hurting the quality of the Spanish success in the EuroLeague. But <laughs> maybe this will change soon um, because the other three teams are playing really good basketball. And it's not just about wins and losses. You know, sometimes you can lose a game, but it's how you lose. You know, how your offense is looking, how your defense is looking. Um, is your, is the chemistry there? Um, you know, are guys enjoying playing with each other? Like, I'm just not seeing, you know, that fight. You know, man, I think Dusco will come in and I think he'll bring... You know that effort, that fight, and that change, as he's done so many times on his return to Basconia. At this point, just give Dusko a lifetime contract. You know that I don't even. I mean <laughs> Why get rid of him? Why get rid of him? I mean,
1: <laughs> once once I saw he left Red Star, I was like, if this Basconia job opened up, it just it just seemed inevitable. It, it honestly, at this point, it just seemed inevitable. You know, we there was talk after we beat them in the in the ACB. Uh, what was that last week or maybe a week or so ago? Um, there was it was definitely whispers at that point, but I was just like, you know, it's it a, I don't think it, that shocked any of us. Honestly, you know, it's 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 kind of what has been going on for the last however many years. So, like you said, just give them, just make sure they they don't change the key card. They'll keep his key card. <laughs> same apartment. The the same same so, car. Yeah. Just... So he can just always have access. <laughs> yeah. You
2: know? Same bank account. Don't even close the account. Just keep it there. Have the wires come right If I'm a coach, yeah. I'm gonna stay away from that job because I know as soon as I lose a couple of games, <laughs> Duke School breathing down my neck. <laughs> All right.
1: I was about to say. You know, he's not too far behind. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I believe Dusko will fix their game in the short term at least. That's that's what he's known for. I mean, he's going to make another six hour practice yeah. session. They're they going to be tired
2: or, or whatever. They're going to be tired. <laughs> They're going to earn their money.
0: I mean, <laughs> <Right>. every dollar. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he will increase the physicality. He's going to improve the defense. And, you know, uh, Boscone will be will get better because they have good players and they already making moves. Uh, it's it was already reported that they were interested in Chris Chiosa. and from what I hear, this is the move that likely uh, to happen. And from what I hear, they may, might actually make at least one more move, if not more. So again, this is the Euroleague. We 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 deal with you know the team can change the entire picture uh, of theirs with one two uh, changes. There are no salary caps. Uh, no trade restrictions, uh, nothing. So with Dushko, they're going to get some spark and I believe that he's going to demand some some adjustments. So it's earl- too early to write them off uh, at the beginning of the season. But the guy has to change his off-season game, you know, because usually he... he Joins the team during the season. He fixes the stuff. He wins cup here and there. And then suddenly he makes those crazy practices. Uh, his players look tired at the start of the season. And now he, you know, he's out of job in November. So he has to do something with his off-season game.
2: Yeah, or they get or they get injured. You just never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: maybe. by by the way, you, you know, his return to Bosnia became something like, you know, anecdote here in Europe. I mean, it's, it's his fourth stint with Bosconia, and I think that this for sure has to be some kind of EuroLeague uh, record all time. But at the same time, you know, it kind of shows that the head coach's circle in the EuroLeague is kind of, you know, closed. Very small circle of coaches, and usually the same names are circulating. And I just, I was curious, uh, if you could suggest some new phase non-Euroleague coach for the top level in Europe, excluding your coaches, uh, whether it will be from Europe or even from the NBA, but of course, realistic options. Do you have any suggestions, any names, anybody you kind of recognize playing against, uh, against either it was domestic league or, or BCL EuroCup competitions? Maybe somebody left you a really good impression?
2: For me, um, I'd have to look up his name, but yeah. Um he was, uh, the coach right now at Paris. He was at Bond last year. Um, I was just really impressed with his name. Mm, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he's a great uh, coach just as far as like how he has his team prepared to play the effort that they play with the energy, what he does on, you know, from a small budget to a mid budget, like how those, the system is in place, how he gets those guys to play, how he gets the most out of his players. You know, I was really impressed with him. Um, he has, um, Paris rolling in the Euro Cup right now. Who knows? Maybe he'll be in the Euro League, you know, if they're able to win the Euro Cup. But he's a guy that's young, that, you know, has that passion, has that energy, and, you know, seems to really know his stuff. I don't know him personally, but just as a opponent, just seeing the adjustments he was able to make and seeing, you know, how he had his guys ready to play their game plan, you know, I thought that was a guy who is a Euro League level head coach. And, you know, if he's not there soon, I mean, it's on the way.
0: Just to clarify, we're talking about Thomas. I, I'm not sure about my pronunciation, but Thomas Isola. Is no, yeah, Isolo? yeah. I almost was gonna mm-hmm. say Laszlo. I didn't
2: know how to say his name, but yeah, he, he, he impressed me, and I think he's going to take Europe yeah. by
0: storm. And I think he's turning a lot of heads. Yeah, he's he, he did some great job in Bonn. Uh, he's 41. He's he's a Finnish basketball head coach, and yeah, I also hear a lot of good stuff. He kind of reminds people Dimitris Tsitoudis, in in a way discipline he is, uh, for his tactical knowledge as well. So yeah, that's for sure one of the hottest non-Euroleague names, uh, that we have in the coaching department.
1: Yeah, for me, I, i say the, the first, the first coach that comes to mind, and I highly don't, I don't think he would, but, uh, my former coach, when I was in Mega, uh, uh former partisan player, uh, Deck, deck his nickname is decky dehan Mil- 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 Milovic. I want to say I, I feel like I just, yeah yeah I was going to say I feel like I just butchered his name but um when I played with him at, at mega and then playing against him the the next year when he was at biguccinos just the guy that knows how to get the best out of out of his players puts them in the right positions to to be successful it was a little different when I was with mega because you know you you got to understand how mega is. It was just me and a bunch of 20, 21 year olds. Um, so of course there's a, there's a maturity curve there, but, um, to put him with a a good solid group of, of, you know, real professionals who understand themselves, who understand what it takes to be professional, put them in the right position. Um, and then he's a, he's a player's coach as well, right? He's not a, he's not a pushover to where, you know, guys aren't going to practice or whatever, but he he knows how to get the how to get the best out of guy out of his guys while being able to relate to them the same way. He's currently uh, an assistant coach with the Golden State Warriors. So again, I you know I don't I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna leave that that situation anytime soon. But uh, that's someone who I would love to see in a in a head coaching Euroleague position. Knows the game, um, has played the game at a, at a high level. One of if not. I'd probably, I'd, I'll go out on a limb and say one of the most successful or one of the best uh, players to ever put on a partisan jersey. Um, so obviously he knows the game, he knows what it's like to to play in Europe at a high level. So um, I think he would be a, a great fit to 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 be a, a Euroleague head coach.
0: Yeah, he was a hell of a player in in partisan years as well. And you know, yeah. you never know if Jelko leaves. Or if Zvezda gonna make okay, he's not going to coach Zvezda. Yeah, I was about to say. I his, was about to say. I don't, know, partisan, I don't yeah. know if
1: he going to. Yeah, I don't know if he's to Red Star. But you know, if something happens yeah. with that, uh, Something happens with that that partisan job. You know, if, if Joko decides to hang it up or whatever the case may be, who knows?
0: Yeah, yeah. That that's actually an interesting name you brought up. So yeah, I hope your league teams are your li- league teams are listening. You know, and they're about to bring some new faces when the change comes. Uh... Speaking about your league and Europe, there was this Jordan Lloyd's tweet last week that Mike James is the best player in Europe right now and it's not even close. Lord have mercy one hundred percent. Do we all agree with Jordan Lloyd?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much known well before this season. I mean, that Mike was always one or two, you know, best players. I've said it, you know, on a podcast, it was him or Miritich, you know. For the last like three, four years, I've been trying to decide. Um, but the form he's in, the way he's playing, I mean, he's always a nightmare to guard. He's explosive. He's fast. He can shoot. He could play pick and roll, the isolation, even has a little post game. Um, the way he finishes in the paint is excellent. And I think he's took up his efficiency even to another level this year. He's sharp. He's crisp. He's playing less minutes and doing more, which is, you know, surprising. And I think, um, you know, the way that he's able to, you know, to lead the team and, you know, to get them where they need to go. I mean, he's having an MVP caliber year, and we've seen this before. You know, the year he was in Cheska, he was dominating, and, you know, him and the Tudors had their thing, and, you know, what was happened happened. But, you know, I think if he finished the season, I mean, he was the MVP of the EuroLeague, um, no question. Um, but, you know, they were first place at the time, and he was averaging almost 20 points a game. But I think 18 or 19, and this year he's kind of doing the same thing. So I think for him it's just been – Years and years of consistency. Um, he sustained this level of success, you know, for you know, seven, eight years, even longer. Um, you look at it, four thousand point score. I mean, very likely he'll be the number one scorer in the history of the Euroleague. Um, You know, I know Nicolo's still playing, but you know, at this pace, he's going to catch him. You know, Mike is what thirty-three years old. Um, you know, it looks like he's not slowing down. I see another easily two, three high-level years, maybe more. And you know, with the the format, you know, you're talking about him possibly playing 35 to 40 games a year, averaging 16, 18 points a game. I don't see why he can't be the number one scorer, which is something special, you know, especially for an American. Like just to see, you know, it's tough to stay on one team, it's tough to have that long sustained success as you age and you know, to see him continue to play, you know, he's for sure top dog. You know, respect to Mike James. Yeah, um, I 1,000% agree
1: with Jay Lloyd. Um, you know, what What Mike has been able to do, you know, not just this season, but past seasons has been remarkable. You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his game. I love the way he approaches his game. Um, and, and like Eric said, it seems like he's doing, if not more, he's doing just as much as what he's doing with less minutes. Um, you know, everybody, you know, when you look at Monaco's roster, you say um, – you know well. Well, you know, it's, there's only one basketball between Mike and Acuto and Jay Lloyd, and now adding Kemba Walker. But um, you know, Mike he he leads those guys in in his own in his own right, in his own way. And you know, he's, he's playing high level basketball at the same time. Um, and it's 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 good to see. Um, you know, as as a as a as a foreigner, you know, I, coming to Europe, he was he was someone who I always uh, watched in a, and kept in a, in a highlight just because of how he approached the game and just uh, kind of what he what he stood for um you know i love that he's he's outspoken you know just just as i am on on twitter and social media um but no if, if for me it's, it's 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 a no-brainer mike james right now is the best player in europe um and you know if, if he keeps up this level then the, it should be a, i don't know what the voting structure is for mvp but it should be a unanimous mvp <sighs>
0: Yeah, let's let's wait. We're just five games into the season, and usually those conversations they're around the best players of winning teams. So mm-hmm. you know, Monaco has to be a winning team, probably a top four uh, team, to help Mike to get that award. And uh, you never know how things might change in the, in a few months. And we actually had uh, this Euroleague player survey on Basket News, uh, and Mike finished third in a survey. Uh, where players were asked who is the currently best EuroLeague player, and it was the survey that players filled before the season started. And he was just behind Eddie Tavares and Nikola Mirotic, I think, you know, where I understand and I see why they decided to put them above Mike James. However, if you look at the start of the season so far, if we have to choose the best player of, of, in the, of the EuroLeague until November right now, I mean, you cannot say that Eddie Tavares is currently the best player in Europe. He had a slow start and he has his own, I would say, health issues uh, that uh, cause him for a slow start. There is Mirotic who is playing great basketball, but Milan is losing more games winning, when winning so far. But with Mike James, you know, for me, I was just one more time, uh, I, I was convinced that, you know, Mike James Especially in Monaco, he always performs when his need teams him the most. If you remember last year, Maccabi playoff series, I think that Monaco was struggling because of lack of EuroLeague playoff experience. I think that Mike James was one of the few guys that actually had any uh, playoff experience, and all of those guys, you know, they looked not as themselves. But Mike, Mike was performing not just to his best level, but he was helping those guys. Step by step to get into their normal rhythm, to help them win very tough series against Maccabi. And I would say that Mike was was delivering in all five games. Right now, at the start of the season, we see how much team lacked of Jordan Lloyd, how they were missing him. Uh, Kemba Walker, he 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 needed time just to get back in a normal playing shape uh, after all these long months of rehab and even rehabbing before the season. Elio Kobo. It was hard for him to catch up after the World Cup experience and usually players after the World Cup. It's it's usually you might be the best player or you might be the worst player. It depends on how long the national team competition was for you, how much you were playing and how much in shape you were at that point. Because if you're not playing in a national team, usually it means that for two months you're kind of off. You're not getting those real practices. Uh, You're not getting playing time and then it's really hard to catch up that rhythm at the start of the season where you have to perform from the jump. So other Monaco players, they were also kind of struggling. But Mike James, you know, when I saw him, especially from the third round, I think it was the game in in Belgrade and again, very tough environment to win against a loaded team like Zvezda. And he was, he was the real leader uh, of that team. And now we see them winning three straight games and Mike James is a clear leader of that group. So, you know, that's that's a recognition uh, of his talent and mentality in uh, moments when his team really needs him. So I also kind of agree with Jordan Lloyd, but come on, it's, it's, it's just October. Things might change uh, quickly in the coming months. But for sure, Mike, we're going to stay in this MVP conversation throughout the season. It just depends on some other factors last year we had this greatness of sasha Vizenkov. right now it's hard to foresee such player like sasha Vizenkov who could you know um stood out with the crazy numbers that he had so mike might have a legit shot at finally winning this award
2: yeah and the mvp award isn't for the best player it's for the person who's playing the best on one of the best teams like so mm-hmm. everybody knows mike is <laughs> one of the best in Europe, there's not too many people better at playing basketball than Mike James. That's for sure. And you know, Jay, you know, J.
1: Lloyd got to boost his teammate up, right? You know, what I mean? <laughs> he, he, you know it's you know, I, I do, I'm doing the same thing with my with my teammates. You know, of course, but I've, there is some truth to it as well. He's playing, he's playing great. He's a hell of a player. Um, but it's kind of like you said, you know, he, he's got to make sure, you know, he can get Monaco to that top four. You know, then he'll put himself in a really good position to, to get that MVP trophy.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, because actually Jordan is is known as a glue guy as well. And that's another important role that he plays off the court. And sometimes it, it also gets uh, doesn't get enough recognition uh, that he deserves. And if you notice, you know, he won all the domestic leagues in the last three years, I guess, where he has played on. So it also tells something about the guy. And since we're giving out those awards, I also asked you asked you to... Your most impl- improved player from last season, and the biggest improvement that you noticed in the f- first few games, and I actually made—I sh- wouldn't call it a short list, but it's—I would say—lengthy list of the players who really stepped up with their stats at least. So I will go through these names. For instance, Tornike Shengelia—he uh, was averaging nine. That was my first one. That was 11. my first one. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep going. Again, he was averaging nine point four points and eleven point five par compared to the this year's eighteen point four points and twenty three point six par, where he's getting those numbers from rebounding, from assisting the ball, and being one of the, I mean, not one of the anchor player of this great start for for Virtus. So. I'm not going to continue if you, Eric, decided to pick him as your most improved player Yeah, the last season.
2: <clears throat> For me, it was that big uh, jump scoring-wise. Um, he's a guy who, it's almost strange to say most improved because he's an established commodity. He's a guy who's played at a high level, Cheska many years, Baskoña. He's been an all-year type of guy. Um, and just to see him, you know, kind of get acclimated, get back into the flow of things, dominate. What was special about him is that his ability to play make, too. I mean, he's averaging four assists a game, um, he's able to beat those bigger, you know, fives off the dribble. He's able to punish those smaller fours, you know, on the block. But what I liked was throughout his career, he had the problems, you know, with his three-point shot, Um, you know, the inconsistency with it. Last year, okay, he shot a good percentage, but he only shot 26 three-point shots, you know, through the course of 23 games. Already through five games, he's already shot 17 three-point shots. That tells me it's a point of emphasis. It's something he's been working on, and he's shooting that at 53%. Um, so you look at the sis four game the points almost 18 and a half a game you look at his ability to rebound you know I'm just seeing that he's shooting 75% from twos you know we're showing you that he, he's finishing at the rim he's finishing strong he's a bull last year he shot 48% from twos now I don't know if that's something that he's going to maintain through the whole season whatever but that just shows me through the first five games as the main uh, scoring option for Bologna and having them four and one that's what's even more impressive so to me He's the most improved. Um, A close second, I had Bonzi Colston. Um, You know, he's really stepped up since Wade Baldwin's been out. You know, took his scoring average from like 10.5 to about almost 15 a game. And you can just see that confidence in him growing as a player. You know, he's a really good three-man, can play some four, can shoot the ball, good in closeout attack. You know, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. You know, I just tried to pick someone that I could think of. And those are the two that kind of came to mind.
0: Who's knocking that door? No,
1: nah, I think uh to to mimic off to mimic off what he said, I think the biggest thing about Shangelia is just the fact that he's leading Bologna to wins right now, right? You know. Um uh you know, I, I, I remember when we played when we faced off against Georgia in the Eurobasket. What was that? Not this past summer, but the the, the summer fall uh, previously, um he was out with a shoulder injury. And just seeing how he was able to to bounce back from that and I don't want to say it. It looks like he's restructured his game because he's still attacking. He's still aggressive. Still getting to the paint. Still taking advantage of um, his 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 mismatches, whether it's on the perimeter or in the mid post or in the post. Um, it just seems like his game is a little more complete, and you see that with the higher uh, percentages of shooting from two and from three. Um, so it, But again, the biggest thing is is the Ws and the Ls. You know, he's got his team to four and one so far. And they're looking really good, uh, you know, they're, they're looking better than what I thought they were going to be this year uh, so far. So uh, for me, I think I think he definitely got my vote for most improved so far.
0: I also think that Shima Moneke is worth uh, recognition. The guy was averaging 3.9 points and 4.6 PAR but previous year in Monaco. And now his numbers, you know, rose to like 17.5 points and 22.0 PAR. Uh, it's it's huge the only problem with him that his team was losing so you know mm-hmm. that kind of ruins his resume for this early award and there are just few other guys which I think are also worth to mention for instance Isaiah Cordinier another huge reason behind Virtus uh start from 6.6 points and 6.3 PR to 11.2 and 15.4 and it's not just about the stats the confidence that he he has in his game right now either finishing or assistant running the transition defensively he's also a huge factor so i think that for this full season award if there if we would have most improved player of the year award in your league he would have a leg- legit shot uh playing such basketball uh, like right now uh alex peters another interesting case from 4.6 points and 4.5 PAR to 11.8 points and 14.6 PAR. Uh, Eric mentioned Vincent Poirier and him being on a hot start and uh, I think that he's on his expiring year and it might help him to to get a great new contract following summer, 6.1 points and 8.2 PAR last year compared to 12.6 points and 17.2 PAR right now. Johannes Thiemann is also interesting uh, mm-hmm. case in Alba Berlin. 8 win. points, 10.6 PAR to 13.4 points and 19 PAR. And that's, you know, that's after uh also great World Cup experience that he had winning the World Cup with Germany. Uh Joel Bolomboy, one of the standouts in, in Zvezda, from 3.8 points and 5.4 PAR to 10.2 points and 14.2 PAR. It's my luggage that Kendrick uh, mentioned uh, previously. Also doubled his numbers to eleven point two points and eleven point eight par. And one of the last guys that I have on my list is actually Alexa Avramovich. Not just coming from six point three points and five point four par to eleven point six and ten point four, but I would say he improved the most in his game as well, becoming transitioning from the You know, energy booster, mostly becoming this annoying defensive player that you're facing. Mm -hmm. And now he's making clutch shots in a derby game and becoming a booster, huge factor offensively as well. So that impressed me the most, you know, how he also uh, improved the the game and added some uh, different weapons to his game.
1: And also, um, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't really put him in the most improved category just because he, for me, he's always been a dog. He's always been a, a hell of a player is Keenan Evans. You know, I got to shout him out mm-hmm. just because of, um, you know, what he what he went through with his injury. And just to see him kind of bounce back from that and, you know, putting up the numbers that he's doing thus far. Um, he's, he's starting to become one of my favorite League players to watch. So uh, I just had to I just had to shout him out real quick.
0: Uh, it's, it's good you mentioned Keenan, because, let's say, he's one of those... He's not a new name in the league. He's starting his third season. But league is the league where usually the same players are just switching teams. And it's not easy for new guys, you know, to make a quick uh, change in the league. And Keenan is one of those guys. And I actually had this question for you since I ha- I'm having two great guards on my podcast. What were your favorite newcomer guard to watch and why so far in the EuroLeague?
2: And you wanted it to be a newcomer, correct? And that, yeah. and you know, it really took me some time. Let's
0: endorse some new names, yeah, you know, it, new faces. It took
2: some time yeah. for me to really decide because I was thinking and I was like, ah, who's the new guy that I like to watch? And so I chose one, but there's a caveat: he hasn't played a lot. But Yagos Dos Santos, I think it's just exciting to see the mine. little guy.
1: That was gonna be that was gonna be mine <laughs> as the, well the, too.
2: See the energy he brings. Um, you know, he's able to shoot the ball, play pick and a little flair. You know, um, showed up in the derby game, showed me the type of player that you know he could potentially be. Just by you know, anytime you're in that hostile environment, you will able to play at that level. You know, so for me, you know, I don't know him personally, but I was rooting for him just because I like the energy and the flair that he plays with, and it's always fun just to see the little guy out there showing heart. Well, E, since you took mine, I think I'm going to go with, um, I think
1: I'm going to go with uh, Cassius Robinson from Valencia. You know, he, he's, I think he's still kind of finding his way a little bit. Um, but I, from playing against him last year and just watching him in the ACB, I know he can put up numbers. He's, he's a microwave. He can really get it going um, once he finds comfortable, once he finds that groove. So, um, you know, if he, if he, if he really gets it going, paired along with, you know, everybody else on the, on the Valencia squad that we mentioned before, they're going to be really hard to beat, and I think you know they will. I think they will get in that into that top eight spot when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, f- I believe that Yago are gonna become fans' favorite for sure. And you cannot not to love his presence because before this derby game, uh, game against Partizan, he was he was benched by Dusko. He logged only four minutes in total before that game. He showed up in the first quarter, he changed the energy of the game. It really looks like like the guy didn't care at all about the 20,000 people around, about this huge start by Partizan. It was, I think, 17 to 2. And he changed the game with his energy and with his confidence, uh, made some big shots in the fourth quarter as well. And uh, it feels like Giannis is, is is trusting him, so, you know... This whole change in 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 Zvezda might also change his rookie season uh, in the Euroleague. So it's if if that will be the case, it's going to be a really exciting story, you know, for for another newcomer in the Euroleague. Uh, in a way, how some some unexpected changes might also change the outcome of, of your season and potentially even the career uh, in the Euroleague. And. Just the very, very last question I have for you guys. Again, since I have two guys coming off the BCL competition, and I would say that the race for the BCL title should be... In terms of an expected uh, race, being very open race for the title, it also should be a very exciting season. And uh, you're playing for, for a good team so far, and I see you guys also competing to the title. But let's be... As much transparent as possible, and you cannot pick your team. Let's say, okay, let's say you're in the top four, but who are the other top four teams you see competing for the Basketball Champions League title this year?
2: For me, I would say a Jerusalem. Um, you know, we haven't got to see them play this season because of unfortunate circumstances, but I mean, they bring back the core. Um, They added a guy like Brighton Lamar. They have a lot of talent. Um, You know, they're going to be able to play fast. They're going to be able to score lots of points. Um, They also had won um, the Winter Cup in Israel before, you know, everything kind of shut down over there. But, you know, I think that's a team to be reckoned with. Um, They made it to the final last year. You know, also, for me, they're going to be tough. Um, You know, I'm not sure where they're going to play the games, how the the logistics are going to be, how things are going to sort out. But that's a team full of a lot of talent um and you know a coach who's been there and took them you know far in places so there's someone I would look out for and then the other one I mean you got to go with Tenerife I mean they're just proven you know throughout the course of the time the years they've had all the Spanish teams usually do well um in European competitions. so if you guess one of them you're probably going to be on par um and they have a a core that's one that's been there that's done that and you know, I think um, you know they lost a tough game in Jerusalem, but you know, I think they're still a team that's to be reckoned with and someone that you always have to consider when you're talking about championship caliber team.
1: Yeah, I definitely, I think, I think Jerusalem is going to be in there. Um, hopefully, you know, with the situation, it doesn't knock them too too far off of you know what what they've built off of last year. Um, you know, uh, their their coach Ziggich, who I had the opportunity to play for in Badouchnos after I left Pantharikos. Is a great coach. He knows the game. Knows how to get the most out of his players. Um, uh, I, they added my 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 guy Chris Johnson, who who can help them both offensively and defensively as a as a stretch four. That can play different positions. Um, can guard different positions. Uh, they got my man Speedy Smith running the show. Uh, someone who I who I know uh, from our younger days, growing up, playing against each other. Um, and they, they they brought back everybody they brought back damn to everybody they got their core group. so I think as long as the the, the, the situation they're in doesn't knock them off uh, off the rails too much, they'll be right back in the mix. Um, and then my, my sleeper team is Ike. I think, I think when you look at Ike's uh, uh, a roster, they definitely have the talent. Um, when you look at uh, Langston Hall running the show, you got Ben Mappemore, another former NBA vet. Uh, Jordan McRae who can score with the best of them Um, they got a they got a lot of pieces Uh, your former teammate E Kuz Kuz. uh, matchup yeah matchup problem (laughs) you know what I mean Malaga's Uh, legends
0: Malaga's legends yeah
1: another Malaga legend gotta shout him out man Um, you know they they got a lot of pieces so uh, you know I'm I'm excited for this BCL Uh, you know uh, I gotta get some get back from last season having the final four at, at Malaga and dropping it so um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. I, I love what Karsiaka could eat. I love how you guys are looking right now. Um, so it, it's going to be fun, man. This is, this one, is, I think this one might even be more competitive than last year.
0: Wait, Eric, didn't you mention just two teams? Well, it was Tenerife and Jerusalem? Oh, well, you said if us, if we were in the Final Four in Malaga, because, I
2: mean, I think Malaga's strong. Oh, I mean, yeah. okay. Okay, okay. So, yeah, we, I, we, we, we,
1: I, I saw what you did. You just yeah. you did us two. And
2: then two <laughs> yeah, ones. yeah. So, you know, I think Malaga, yeah. you know, they got the same core. They already was there last year. They know what it is. Like, super talented. They have the pieces. They can play big, small, fast. They can play in a half court. Like, Malaga's a tough team. Like, so yeah, I thought that was just pretty much a given when you said anybody <laughs> outside of those two.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually going to be fun if you guys gonna both make the final four at the end of the season. So, where's the final four next year? Is still undecided, right? Yeah, it's always they wait. Yeah, they wait till, on yeah, the I don't go. think
2: they decided yet. Yeah, they wait till like the elite eight, I think. Top sixteen to mm-hmm. elite eight, and then they kind of kind of go from there. But, yeah, it's going to be good. A lot, of, a lot of good talent, a lot of good coaches, and, you know, Champions League does a good product, so I'm interested to see. Yeah, they, they, do, a, they do a great job of, of
1: running the league and just having – putting it, it – it just seems like top to bottom, you can never really just count anybody out, especially this early in group stage, you know, where, where teams are kind of trying to find their rhythms. Um, right now it's more beneficial to the teams like ourselves, like – um, like Jerusalem, like Tenerife, who have the core together and who already kind of know how to play with each other. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, other teams who are kind of new, kind of, you know, once they find a the rhythm to kind of make make some headlines in the BCL just because it's it's that competitive.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have enough hands, you know, to cover both EuroLeague and then BCL. Uh, I hope we, we will be able to do it uh, if we continue to grow with the Basket news platform. But it would be really cool to have a podcast from the Final Four Destination with Kendrick and Eric at the end of the season to talk not just about the EuroLeague basketball, but but, but a lot and in-depth about the BCL season. So. Yeah. I wish you guys, you know, to 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 fulfill this um, little dream on <laughs> from the Orbonus podcast crew.
1: Well, you going to have them boys <laughs> ready to go. So, I'm going to make <laughs> sure I'm going to make sure I, 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 I follow suit and have my guys
2: ready. To we'll so speak listen. it into existence, that would be beautiful.
0: <laughs> hey guys, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure to hear your thoughts. It was a pleasure to connect your minds on this podcast uh, as well. Thank you all and good luck uh, throughout the season. Let's let let us keep this uh, Final Four idea real on the basketball court.
2: I appreciate you having me and thanks for joining KP. It was good to hear your knowledge. We already knew you know the game, but always special to have a good basketball player, but also a, a good basketball person who knows the game and you know does things outside of the game. You allow fans to see a different side of you. And for those who don't know, kp has a podcast tune in it's good shout your stuff out man go ahead <laughs> yes sir no nah, first no nah, first i want to i
1: want to appreciate you guys for having me on man this was this was fun you know obviously you guys both know um a lot about not just EuroLeague but just the overseas and europe european basketball in general so um for me to be a part of this was, was something great um and yes it, i got i got my own podcast that that i'm bringing back called life across the waters it's more of a more of a um, off-the-court story, if you will, getting a conversation with, with players about um, their specific journeys uh, playing overseas, the ins and outs, the goods, the bads, the ups and downs, a little bit of everything. So, um, yeah, check me out. I'm on all platforms where uh, podcasts are available. And yeah, man, Eve, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna, at the final four, we gonna, we gonna shoot this and then we gonna shoot the life across the waters, uh, after we gonna find some time. Yeah. To get life across the let's waters. get it. I got to The people gotta have that one. I gotta get that one. Me.
2: <laughs> let's get it.